Welcome to the Real Estate Syndication Show. Whether you are a seasoned investor or building a new real estate business, this is the show for you. Whitney Sewell talks to top experts in the business. Our goal is to help you master real estate syndication. And now your host, Whitney Sewell. This is your daily real estate syndication show. I'm your host, Whitney Sewell. Today our guest is Lucas Miller. Thanks for being on the show, Lucas. Whitney, I really appreciate the invitation. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to have you on the show. I feel like we've known each other a couple of years now. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's we, been a while. Yeah, we've met at numerous conferences or had dinner numerous times and it's been great to get to know you and, and watch your success. And But a little about Lucas, in case you have never heard of him before, he's a multifamily syndicator, over $40 million in assets purchased. He helps passive investors navigate the world of passive investing and gives them clarity on what they should and shouldn't focus on. He's the host of Fear Free passive investing podcast and lives in Colorado with his wife and two boys. So Lucas, thank you again for your time today. And it's a great topic. I mean, I know there's lots of passive investors that are listening right now. And because I speak to them weekly, you know, they say, oh, I'm listening to the show and all this. And, but I know that's a question or they're all worried about making that investment or especially when they're brand new and they have lots of questions. And so I feel like this is a great topic. But first, tell the listeners a little more about who you are and what you're up to and let's dive in. Yeah. Well, of course, like you said, I'm a syndicator. That's my full-time job. I've been doing that for a couple of years now, but it didn't start that way. I started in residential like a lot of people, right? That's a typical path of flipping houses, having rental homes and all that. And just realized that scaling up into syndications really was the safest option for both me and my money and my investing, as well as my investors. And so when you talk about the fears that new investors have, a lot of it circles around this idea of security, right? They don't want to wire money to someone that they just don't understand. They don't know like, uh, is the market going to crash? Is this property in a bad shape? And the best way to eliminate some of those variables is to really focus on these assets that are really high quality institutional business-like assets and not your mom and pop, you know, 1950s home with who knows what kind of damage you can't see behind the walls, you know? So, investing in business-like assets. That's interesting. You know, would you elaborate on that a little bit? What does that mean? You know, business-like assets. So if I'm that passive investor, what am I looking for there if I'm looking for that business class asset? This is the story that I've gone through in my head, right? So I started as an active investor, residential, buying houses and flipping them. And you never really know what you were going to get. And so you would buy a house, you tear down some walls, you find some plumbing issues, right? That takes away a whole year of cash flow sometimes if you're not doing your due diligence correctly. And you look at that and you say, how can I eliminate some of this? How can I eliminate some of the fear of having my entire savings wiped out in one mistake? And so you start to look at, okay, let's scale up a little bit, right? Let's diversify some of that risk across a greater number of units. So I started looking at 15 unit buildings, 30 unit buildings, 40 unit buildings to get more and more tenants. And then that brought another host of issues along with it. It's still, you know, a commercial asset. Banks still look at it the same, but you still have some of this fear of these buildings that are older, usually, you know, they're not building a lot of 30, 40, 60 unit buildings these days. A lot of it's much bigger. And so you're looking at an older property type, but then you have this uncertainty of the financing. And the places that I'm investing, 20 units is not over a million dollars. And so you're looking at commercial financing for that. 
And they're looking at it as a business, but they want to make money too, right? And so investing in business assets means something that you can look at an income and expense sheet, just like you would evaluate a normal business and say, how can I maximize efficiency while minimizing my downside risk? And the sweet spot that I've kind of focused on and zeroed in on is that 100 units and up value add B minus to C plus class assets that really maximizes that potential for me. Okay. Wow. No, that's great to know. Because I know, you know, first, so many people have no idea about that they can even invest in real estate through syndication, period. You know, they don't even know this thing is out there. And I didn't for a long time. And then when I finally learned about it, I'm like, I just cannot believe that I didn't know about this before now. You know, that you're just brought up thinking that like the stock market, mutual funds is just, that's what we do. That's how we have a retirement, right? But, you know, I didn't know for a long time. And I know a lot of people don't know, or once they're getting in, they're nervous and they're trying to figure this out. And so, yeah, so it's great for them to think about though, okay, you know, the 50 unit versus the 100 plus unit property and and understanding some of that when thinking about who they're going to invest with. And so as that passive investor, what are some other fears that you see that are common that we could just eliminate right now? Yeah. So I've interviewed a lot of newbie passive investors on how they got started because a lot of them share the same path that you and I have. Like we didn't even know this existed. So you find out that this syndication model exists. What's the next step? right? You start reading through articles, you start listening to podcasts, and you're just inundated with the amount of information. And that is so scary for a lot of people. And the number one fear by far and away is basically how they can eliminate their downside risk. They want to know if they can get their money back or if it's a Ponzi scheme. You know, that's, that's really one of the biggest items. So yes, it is legal. Yes, it is encouraged, in fact, by a lot of government entities because of the ability to provide housing to the folks on scale, right? Not just mom and pop, one or two houses. They want to know if their money is protected in a business-like setting and they are able to see that we're able to take advantage of economies of scale with management, with buying stoves and all kinds of things that you're able to do when you scale up to these bigger properties. And so once they start to realize that, hey, this is more like investing in a business and not like investing in that house that my cousin lost all his money on, Mm. uh, they really start to see the value of it. I like how you word it. You know, it's more like investing in a business. I couldn't agree more because they are investing in that operator and their business model as much as anything. Yeah. Especially when they realize that their management companies become a lot more professional at this level too. Um, Mm -hmm. A lot of my investors, and I'm sure some of yours are former landlords or they current landlords actually. And they say, oh, I'll never give it to a management company. They're too expensive. They don't run my property well. They charge you on expenses like putting in a toilet costs $500, right? And so when they realize that, on management companies at scale, right? You're making hundreds of thousands of dollars on this property. It's not a mom and pop operation either. As the properties scale, so do the management companies. And that becomes a lot more business-like too and a lot more professional. And so we're able to eliminate some of that risk of, hey, you're not going to be called at 3 a.m. to go fix a toilet. You're not going to get a call from me and say, hey, sorry, we had to put in a new toilet. That's going to be another 500 bucks, right? You put in your principal. It's a passive investment, as all of your listeners know. And that's it. We take care of the rest. You know, what about this building a legacy? 
we hear that often and people think, okay, you know, I want to make sure and leave some money for my kids or whatnot. I mean, investors, you have that in mind when you're thinking about you know, how you're being strategic about how we're investing in real estate is an amazing model to build that wealth and legacy. But what are some ways that you've seen maybe investors you know, really think this through in a good way or ways you've seen that, that are working the best for people to really build wealth and leave a legacy for their children or family? You know, I think the biggest thing I talk to a lot of investors and they say, or how about a, a lot of new investors that know they should be investing in real estate? They hear that all the time, right? Everyone knows, oh, if you want to be diversified, invest in real estate, right? They're not making any more of it. So if they're a new investor that have never heard of syndication before, they're thinking, oh, I got to go out and buy a dozen houses. When instead, with this syndication model that you and I talked a lot about, they're able to do this passively, invest in real estate, get all the advantages of real estate. A lot of downside is eliminated by doing that. And then that focus, that allows them to focus on their career, their busy professionals, their you know, doctors, their lawyers, their dentists, whatever it is, they're able to continue working on their craft and maximize their income potential there while letting essentially outsourcing their investing in real estate to somebody else. And that's how you really get into building that legacy of, I call it snowball effect or compounding investments, whatever it is, when you start stacking those one on top of another, that return and that legacy that you're building is really compounded and really starts to grow. Mm. Nice. You can outsource building a legacy, essentially. <laughs> I like that. Yes, you can. When you think it through and you partner with the right people. So what are some other benefits you know, to investing in a deal like we operate that a lot of investors may not have thought of? Well, I think a lot of it is, it's twofold, right? One, you have the cash flow. Some operators do quarterly cash flow. Some operators do monthly cash flow. And while that's nice, and that's really what a lot of operators focus on, I like to focus on two things. One, the passivity. And two, the tax benefits that you're going to get for this. This isn't a strategy for people who only have $50,000 and they're looking to grow that really quickly, right? This is for the busy professional who makes us a decent living that really wants to think about the future. And so I focus in and almost zero in on that passivity. And so your return you're making is not as much as you can make while you're flipping houses, but when you weight that dollar against how much effort you're putting into it, the return is incredible. Mm. And so I focus on the passivity, which is awesome. And then eliminating that downside risk too helps with the tax issue. And, and I'm not a CPA, so I don't want to get too much into it, but the tax benefits are incredible if you're investing in multifamily syndication. And there's some for you know, other asset classes as well, but really the tax benefits are a big part of that too, that I think often get probably ignored sometimes. Any other big fears that you see that are common before we move on? The biggest fear, you know, like I was saying earlier, is protecting that downside risk. But another big fear people have is how am I knowing the person that I'm working with is trustworthy? That's a big part of this. And so a lot of it comes down to, hey, I've been listening to Whitney for years now at this point. I know he knows what he's talking about. He's really trustworthy. He's got a lot of people that are backing him up. He's got tons of great reviews. That's someone I can get behind. 
if it's just some fly-by-night person where you're not really sure that they're going to be in business in five years, which is the hold cycle for some of these deals, that really starts to play into that fear. And the more doubt they have about that, the bigger that fear is. And that is one of the biggest reasons that people choose not to invest is, you know, just that itchy feeling in the back of their head, like, hey, I'm not really sure about this guy. I and mean, it's uncomfortable. And that's a big fear that people have. So if you're a syndicator listening to this, I'm telling you right now that I've interviewed a lot of passive investors and that is a resounding theme among them is making sure the person they want to talk to is trustworthy. No doubt about it. And like you said, they're investing in a business more than they're investing in real estate. And ultimately that business is that operator and their systems. So Lucas, as far as a, a passive investor that's starting in this business, you know, I know you said you'd look to invest passively and that's really, I think, where, maybe where you started to learn about the syndication business or what opened your eyes to this type of business from investing yourself and starting investing in single family or smaller multis, you know. But as far as investing in smaller multis versus large, I know you talked about the economies of scale and some of those things, but I'm just that passive investor that says, no, you know, I just want to get my feet wet over here with, with this single family or with this duplex or, or that type of thing. You know, how do you advise them? Yeah, I think the biggest competition to a syndication is the turnkey model. And I talk to a lot of investors on bigger pockets, people who call me, people who reach out and they're saying, yeah, okay. 8 to 10%, maybe up to 12% cash on cash return. That's nothing when you compare it to what this turnkey operator is telling me. And so, you know, I kind of chuckled to myself like, hey, that turnkey company, they're just projecting those returns just like you and I are. They can make ex you know, extravagant claims about their return metrics, but do they have the numbers to back it up? Do they have the track record to back it up? Do they have spreadsheets they're willing to share with you that, that back that up? And you know, most of the time they don't, but the biggest competition with this turnkey model is that you know, it takes a lot more cash, sometimes up to a hundred grand just to buy one single family home. And then you're not done. If you buy that single family home and like I was saying earlier, they tear down a wall and find plumbing issues. That's just the start of your problem, right? If you invest a hundred thousand dollars into a turnkey property, your downside could be double, triple that if things go really wrong. If you invest $100,000 into a syndication, in most cases, and I can't speak for every operator, but the loss ends once your principal is gone, right? You know, just like a business, if it goes bankrupt, it goes bankrupt. The lender's not going to sue you as an investor to recapture anything, things like that. And so once they start to realize that, hey, this is a lot more professional than me trying to figure out all this turnkey stuff on my own, I'm just going to go towards the professional business-like atmosphere. So Lucas, What's been the hardest part of this syndication journey for you? Finding the right people to partner with. You know, hands down, if you would have asked me a year ago, I probably would have said finding the right properties or finding the right management company. But truth is, it all circles back to figuring out who to partner with. And so once you figure out who you want to trust in this business and who you want to continue to work with in this business, problems solve themselves at that point. You start finding really good properties. You start finding really good management companies. And, you know, unfortunately, I've had some situations that are hard to deal with when it's the people that you're working with. And so that's really made me refocus this year in 2020 on narrowing my scope of people I'm willing to work with and really maximizing our benefit to each other. Great advice because, yeah, it can either like accelerate you in a hurry or push you way back. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. big time. Big time. So how do you prepare for potential downturn? 
Ah, that's a great question. And that's another huge fear that people have is, is it too late to jump into multifamily? Is 2022 heated? When's the next recession? And I, that's a, a resounding question I get probably from 60% of our guests. And what I can say is nobody has a crystal ball. So anybody who says that they know what's going to happen, they don't know what they're talking about. But the more I learn about macroeconomics and even microeconomics down to the submarkets sometimes is the more I learn, the more I'm not sure. <laughs> you know, I started this journey and thinking, oh, you know, I know a crash is coming soon. I got to time this market right. The more I educate myself, the more I realize like, I don't know when it's going to happen. And I don't even know if it's going to be real estate specific. Further going down that rabbit hole. I don't know if it's going to be flipping. I don't know if it's going to be luxury homes. I don't know if it's going to be new builds. I don't know if it's going to be existing product. Who knows what the, the next recession holds for this. But the way I'm accounting for that is my IRR projections. So internal rate of return projections are heavily weighted towards cash flow, sometimes up to 50%. And I think that's one metric that you can count on to float you through some of these hard times is just having cash flow and having a good buffer, break even occupancy, break even rents, things like that is what I'm focusing on and making sure that my investors are going to be at least stabilized through any potential downturn. And then on the financing side, I love low fixed rate, long-term debt. I'm okay with a prepayment penalty because I don't really enjoy selling. So that's a couple of ways I'm protecting that downside. Awesome. So what's a way that you've recently improved your business that we could apply to ours? Ooh. So recently I built a spreadsheet that is, well, there's tons of pages on it, right? And tons of things, but I've basically focused down what I do on a day-to-day -day basis. I wrote everything down, answering emails, taking phone calls, everything on a spreadsheet, ranked it and realize that once it's on paper or on screen, right, you can really start to realize what you should and shouldn't be focusing on. And sometimes that takes a couple of days to kind of realize, go through actually what you do, snacking, taking walks, you know, scrolling social media, things like that go way down to the bottom of the list. Things like answering investor emails go way to the top. And so something I did is built that spreadsheet to track on a monthly basis what I'm doing and really keep track of keeping myself accountable to the promises I made to me, my wife, my family, and things like that really help me. Might not work for you, but it's helped my business a lot. As an operator, what's your best advice for caring for investors so they want to come back to the next deal? Mm. Always being available, right? Always being accessible. So I tell my investors, you know, if you're okay with kids screaming in the background, you can call me anytime. I might not answer if it's 2 a.m., but I'll get back to you as soon as possible. But, and I tell them, I can't always predict what's going to happen. I can't guarantee you're going to make money on this deal. I can't guarantee you're not going to lose money on this deal. But what I can guarantee is that I'm always going to be willing to take your call and explain honestly and ethically what's going on. And so that's the most you can expect out of a sponsor. And so I'm willing to provide that. What's the number one thing that's contributed to your success? Ooh. Good question. So I want to say luck because <laughs> I do feel like I've been lucky or blessed up to this point. What's driving my success right now is really consistency. It's consistency. And like I was talking about, part of that spreadsheet that I built out is a couple KPIs or key performance indicators of what I need to be doing. 
deals underwritten, offers sent, investor calls had, things like that, that I can keep on top of and just truly grind out consistency is what's really keeping me afloat right now. So on that spreadsheet, did you label like time for each thing? Like this is how much the time allotment or like scaling them? This is the most important things on the list down to what's least important. Both. Yeah. So every day I'd open my journal and say, okay, what do I need to focus on today? And sometimes I do have to, you know, go pick the kids up at school or something where it's not, that's not making me money. Right. But if I can time block in a couple calls during that to driving to that meeting, then I'm going to do that. But really it's prioritization of a couple key items that I need to grind out today and today only. And then an overall weekly and monthly picture of, Hey, you know, I'm spending too much time on social media, right? That's, that's one of my caveats. I have a, I have a tough time with that. So, you know, time blocking and really doing these things called sprints where I do 90 minute sprints of, I'm going to go in, turn my phone off and do 90 minutes of work. And then I'm going to go throw the ball with my kid or play Legos or something. So that's really what I have been doing lately. Playing Legos? A lot of Legos. Right? <laughs> <laughs> hey, I would say that's time well invested. Yeah. 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 My yeah. kids love it. So. so Lucas, thank you so much for your time and tell the listeners though how they can get in touch with you and learn more about your podcast as well. Yeah. The podcast is called Fear-Free Passive Investing. And the website is fearfreepassive.com and that'll take you to the podcast. That'll take you to our YouTube channel. And so I'm trying to crank out a lot of content this year because I think there's a big need for that lately is there's not enough synthesized education for passive investors where they can just go and watch two or three videos and get a good idea of what they should ask. And so that's really what I'm focusing on for 2020, but you'll be able to contact me at those places too. Awesome, Lucas. That's a wrap. Thanks, Whitney. I really appreciate the invitation. Don't go yet. Thank you for listening to today's episode. I would love it if you would go to iTunes right now and leave a rating and written review. I want to hear your feedback. It makes a big difference in getting the podcast out there. You can also go to the Real Estate Syndication Show on Facebook so you can connect with me and we can also receive feedback and your questions there that you want me to answer on the show. Subscribe too so you can get the latest episodes. Lastly, I want to keep you updated. So head over to lifebridgecapital.com and sign up for the newsletter. If you're interested in partnering with me, sign up on the contact us page so you can talk to me directly. Have a blessed day and I will talk to you tomorrow. Thank you for listening to the Real Estate Syndication Show brought to you by LifeBridge Capital. LifeBridge Capital works with investors nationwide to invest in real estate while also donating 50% of its profits to assist parents who are committing to adoption. LifeBridge Capital making a difference, one investor and one child at a time. Connect online at www.lifebridgecapital.com for free material and videos to further your success.